Welcome all and thank you for tuning in to the Battle Brace FC podcast where we focus all things pro soccer in the DMV and across the United States. I am a bewildered Jose Omania from the Sports Post at WTOP and joining me as always from El Tipo Latino is Mario Maya. How are you doing today, sir? I thought I was as bewildered as you, but here we are and I'm just trying to beat the heat. Yeah, you're trying to beat the heat. I'm trying to not make us do another retake. So here we are. We're going to get this right this time around. And that is because the women's national team have released their roster of the 23 players heading to the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. We have four representatives from the Washington Spirit. That would be goalkeeper Aubrey Kingsbury, midfielders Ashley Sanchez and Andy Sullivan, and forward Trinity Rodman. They joined the other 19 that were called up as part of the United States that will play in Group E. They will take on Vietnam on July 21st. And they will then take on the Netherlands and Portugal. You remember the Netherlands, they faced the Americans in the 2019 World Cup final. All four players were able to talk about their reason and feeling of getting called up by Vlatko and Noski. But one of the key uh, takeaways from the roster that everyone keeps talking about is the snub or non-inclusion of one Ashley Hatch even though she's made 19 appearances for the U.S. women's national team over the last two years and has scored five goals, she was not called up over other options. Lakwanoski said in a press conference that the flexibility of other players playing the center forward position, which is Hatch's preferred role, influenced his decision. Hatch is currently third in the NWSL for goals this season. Here are the strikers, just so people get an idea. They're taking Alex Morgan. Megan Rapino is being considered a striker in that attacking wing option. Trinity Rodman, Sophia Smith, Alyssa Thompson, and Lynn Williams. Mario, we'll get into more of the rest parts of the roster in a quick second. But what are your thoughts on the spirit inclusions as well as do you think Ashley Hatch was snubbed here? Uh, so... I'm glad to see the spirit inclusions. These are four players that absolutely deserve to be going to the World Cup, in particular Andy Sullivan, who has been the heart and soul of the spirit for the last few years, and she's also kind of demonstrated that with the national team. So I'm glad to see her go, uh, go to the World Cup. I feel like Ashley Sanchez and Trinity Rodman were two players you could not deny the opportunity to go to the World Cup. So I'm Really happy to see them. And what do you know? You needed that dynamic duo to actually get to the World Cup, huh, Blacko? Uh, so I think it's great to see them on the list. Uh, and, yeah, I could definitely say that Ashley Hatch is a snub. She's been performing really well thus far this season. I feel like you need a number nine. I get that you want to rotate a little bit and try different positions. But you need an all-out number nine in these in this situation, and I feel like you're kind of missing out on that with leaving Ashley Hatch out. Alyssa Thompson is someone that is the future of U.S. soccer. It's just I feel like maybe outside of her, I would have taken Ashley Hatch, but that's more personal preference right there. You're more thinking of the fact that she's a center striker. Versus Alyssa Thompson, she can kind of float left, right, depending on what your needs are. She's very young. She doesn't really need to call up right now. 
Um, she has had moments, I agree, in that aspect of why they considered her. Um, the reality is they wanted to mix veteran experience with some of the youth that are coming up. And they did not want to negate someone like Mega Rapino, who's when she has a streak of games in her, she's played really, really well in the last two years. And they they think that that veteran experience is going to come out handy for them. I am happy for Lynn Williams. She has been one of the most consistent strikers in the NWSL that has not been featured as often as she should be. I think of her a little bit in the similar vein that we remember Wanda, uh, you know, Wondolowski from the men's national team where he didn't get called up in 10, 2010. And that was where, you know, the start of him in San Jose getting big and scoring multiple and multiple and multiple goals. And he just wasn't getting a call up to save his life between 2010 to 2015, really. And if it wasn't for Klinsman taking him to that World Cup, I'm, I'm averaging out the time span. Because there's times where he's called up, he's not called up. He's called up, he's not called up. And you kind of got that with the Williams. Yeah, it's kind of weird because it's kind of like you call them up for meaningless friendlies, but when you have them play, like, say, a qualifier or kind of an important game, they weren't really on that in that radar for some reason. And then, boom, just out of nowhere, they're on a list. They're, they're on a plane to a World Cup. Exactly. So it's like... That's how you kind of see the Lynn Williams actually had situation where Hatchie was part of the process. She was featured in several friendlies. And whenever she whenever you saw her outside of one friendly, I can't remember against who I know it was in the She Believes Cup tournament. Outside of one possible appearance, I can only remember every time she came in off the bench being very active, being very uh um attacking aggressive being that center striker you need however i get why vlaco didn't call her up and i've been going back and forth if you if you recall you know i called you we talked about it like days after where i was like i had to write like a mini column just just to get my feelings out because <laughs> i really did think that hat should have been called up but no no with more reflection I get it. I see I see it and it did help watching Sophia Smith play the nine again in a more serious role than last year and how the spirit we're marking out and what we're gonna talk about real quick here is just so I can highlight Sophia Smith. The spirit played Portland this past Friday. We'll get into the game more in a second, but Sophia Smith will play as the lone nine and even while marked by three players scored a hat trick there's one of those goals where she received a, a quick pass took two touches and released it quick for her second goal that's what you kind of need in a nine to be honest with you and so my only issue is if it you're going to take her away when you take let's say alex morgan's tired you want to take her out and you put her there are you losing an option on the wing or are you forcing yourself to go to Alyssa Thompson really early? Does Lynn Williams not get a chance to play in the middle, which is her preferred position? Like, are we going straight to Megan Rapino because you feel like you need veteran experience? That's 
my confusion, and we'll see what happens in the World Cup, obviously. But I think I've kind of grown into the reasoning on why they don't didn't call Hatch. Hatch is very kind of one-dimensional in the sense that she is a center striker. She's got a nose for goal, doesn't really track back as often, doesn't she can and is effective in the defensive shape when you need her. But I think the only thing they really lose is a possible aerial threat, which is what they have with a Trinity Rodman, Lynn Williams, Alex Morgan. So I think they just have an abundance of riches there, and I think they'll be fine. Having Sophia Smith there allows them to have that possible break in case of emergency glass if Alex Morgan or Lynn Williams can't go. Right. So I think that I think with all the forwards that they've taken to that they're taking to the World Cup, you kind of have something to play with there, like kind of tinker out what you want to do offensively. Sophia Smith can be that number nine for you. It's just kind of more of a hybrid. So, yeah, you kind of have that dual threat with uh, Sophia Smith, especially considering that she got a hat trick. And it also seems that every time either Jose and other writers for the that, that cover the NWSL don't vote for her for MVP or have a think piece, she seems to ball out. I'm sorry there. But uh, other than that, yeah, you, ha- you have those options. Megan, I know people are going to be like, why is Megan Rapido here? Well, Megan Rapido is an excellent option to have in the wing. And remember, when effective in the last three World Cups, down the wing, she has been great. So, all in all, I think that, yeah, it sucks that you don't have that you don't have Ashley Hatch, which you add an aerial threat. But I think now that you now that the dust is settled on the announcements, and you kind of have a sense of what Blacko's going for, and you have a good idea, and these are the core players that he wants to have offensively, and it's not a bad problem to have. It, all in all. And also, if we talk about the announcements of the players that made it to the World Cup, uh, shout out to every celebrity that participated and Matt Turner. Yeah, Matt Turner. I ain't going to go there. Um, yeah. Um, first off, you you were disagreeing with me, and then you flipped it and said, you know what, well, I get it. Like, bro, you stick. stick. <laughs> like, come on, man. It's like, All right, you want me to do, you want me to disagree with you? Fine, no, here no, we go. You said Hatchy at first. You were like, that's a snub. And then now you're like, oh, I see what Black is doing. But I just said that. I'm just saying, he's consistent. <laughs> Pick a take. Stay the take. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, but when it comes to this roster, um, I'll – Obviously, first, the spirit players. Like, Kingsbury, I think, is way overdue. She should have been looked at years ago. I've never heard of a goalkeeper winning goalkeeper of the year in any other nation and not getting picked for any call-up outside of the United States. It is just freaking incredible that you have this player just, like, randomly sitting on the bench. But... I do agree with um, what was said during the press conference by Mark Parsons. I think that this is just the beginning. But that's the level of her performance. She's undoubtedly been the best performing goalkeeper consistently now for 12, 14 games this year. It's not, I think I talked about it about six weeks ago. It's, it's not close. The gap's just got bigger. 
this is just the beginning and uh, strange to say for such an experienced player like Aubrey, it's the beginning. But I, I think um, this summer's going to be a great experience for her and she'll be ready if needed. And yeah, curious to see what happens over the, ne over the next two years uh, and then a senior national team when it comes to the goalkeeper position because um, Aubrey's knocking on the door. I could see very more call-ups in her future for um, Kingsbury. As for, you know, you took the words out of my mouth when it came to Sullivan. I can just only recall when she didn't get called up and there was a rain delay game because the NWSL plays through the World Cup. This year is going to be slightly different. Um, but she literally was during the rain delay just like sitting there and going through like a mental crisis. Like, do I belong? And it was a private conversation she was having with her family, but just like the look in her face, like told the story. Like she thought she was getting a call up and she was a bubble player then. And one could argue that she's kind of a bubble player still, but she's really shown that she can be that player to help as the box to box midfielder, especially because they haven't found a real solution since Juilliard's left the squad to go have a family. Who missed so, to the World Cup, by the way? But it doesn't guarantee that she's a starter. Like, that's the other thing. I mean, that, that, and, that's true, but I, I guess we could talk about it a little bit. Julie Ertz didn't really play for a good part of two years, but she magically just waltzes on to the, on, onto the squad. Well, before, before we get into that, I, I get where you're going with this, but before we get to that, I just want to give the spirit players their shout outs real quick. So I'm I'm happy to see Sullivan go. She's earned it. She was the captain through all the scandals that happened for the spirit. Like she is 100% more than deserving. Probably one of the best box to box midfielders in the league. But it's going to be interesting to see how she. She's been acclimating little by little, but I think this is the tournament where she really needs to step up and put that grasp in the position, really be more of that defensive um, that defensive uh, prowess that can stop attacks, break up interceptions, make things happen on the defensive side and as well be that connecting piece to the offense. Obviously, we both knew it was no secret, especially it got once Mallory Swanson got hurt, that it, Trinity Rodman and Ashley Sanchez were going to be called in. The Sanchez move is more interesting to me because there have been multiple reports that currently in the women's camp, you have a situation where Rose Laval has been battling injuries for the past month. She was going to be healthy, then she wasn't scratched. Now she's on this roster. But now you have a situation where you have both Sanchez getting called up and Christy Mewis, another bubble player that many people didn't see was kind of in and out. And then you have Savannah DeMello, who's been really killing it the past two months. She gets a call up. And I think, Savannah, I think Savannah DeMello is like the one player you really did not have on your bingo card or right. saw coming going into this roster. But if, let's say, Rose can't go, do does Vlaco turn to Ashley Sanchez first, or does he go to someone who's allegedly more veteran but more of a bubble player like Christy Mewis, or do you go to the hot hand and you go to DeMello? That's going to be the interesting factor for me. Like, 
they play. And then not only that, he called three tens. We haven't seen this team experiment with tens all the last four years, yet suddenly calls in DeMello, Lavelle, and Sanchez. We knew about Lavelle. They've been trying to make Sanchez into this weird converted 8-6 role where she can kind of play a 10, but they want her to drift back and help him more in the midfield side, play out wing. But we know what this is. Like, she's better as a 10. And so I am very intrigued on what they do with Sanchez. Obviously, we know what they're going to do with Trent in that 4-3-3. They're going to put her out on the right-hand side. Hopefully, we'll see Vlaco get her more involved. We saw with the Portland game, again, we'll talk more specifically in a second, what happens when Robin's not involved right away, and that is that she disappears in matches. So hopefully, whatever the form, if she starts in some of these games, because then you have a question of, who do you start as your top three? Uh, do you go with your, your traditional Morgan, Sophia Smith, and Rapino, or do you go younger and go with Rodman? Or maybe you go to the veteran hand of Lynn Williams. Like it, There's a lot of options there on that 4-3-3. Right. And then also, I think the defensive side of it all, on the defensive side, I think Jason Anderson's the one that pointed this out, weirdly enough. There's no actual center back. Well, there's no real true. There's no real true center back. Like, the real true center back that you have was Becky Sauerbrunn. It's going to be – they're going to be forcing Fox and Gurma and Cook to be the center backs, even though Fox is not really a center back. It's more going to be Cook, Alana Cook, and Naomi Gurma. Gurma won Defensive Player of the Year last year, so – she could acclimate. She's been playing when they play the four-three-three alongside in that role. I, I, it's just a lot to test with. It's a, it's a very young center back pairing that you're going to put back there. Right, but it does help that you have Kelly O'Hara, uh, Kelly O'Hara, and Emily Sonnet, two guys, two players that have been in in this in this position before. Both of them played in the previous World Cup. So yeah, I think they can help them transition into these into these games in the tournament. So it, it go it goes without saying, like there is no true center back, but you do have that veteranosity or that or those players that have been there before that can kind of help them navigate throughout the tournament. And you have it in every position, not just defensively, also in the midfield with Lindsey Horan, Rose Lavelle, and Julie Ertz. Uh, players that have been in this position before, like they could help them nav- navigate the young players through this tournament. But also, it's just going to be interesting to see how how you end up playing that how you end up playing that defensive scheme. Of course, Kelly O'Hara is not going to be playing center back. She's going to be playing out in the wing this entire tournament. So I want to see how they how well or how or how they come up with these tests, not against Vietnam per se, but more of the game against the Netherlands. I want to see how how Germa and uh, and Cook acclimate to, the, to those certain pressure situations. And it may not even be one of those two. Like we saw with during her time at the Spirit, Emily Sonnets played center back and played it well. Uh, so she could come in at a pinch. Um, then that way you free out a wing. Um, I'm not 100% convinced that Kelly O'Hara is the starter. I'm more Crystal Dunn. First off, they put her as a defender here. 
Um, I've been watching the past couple of weeks. She's killing it in the midfield, uh, especially if you give her anchors of space. Like, she is free to roam and dribble, and she will uh, dominate defenses when you give her that space to roam. Um, so I, I could definitely see her being more in the midfield than defense, but when she's out on that wing, probably one of the most dangerous wingers in the world um, in terms of what she can do, how she could provide service. Um, em, Emily Fox in her couple appearances for the national team has looked good, and I can't say that she's not deserving of a possible shout-out for a starter. I look at Sophia Huerta. She's been the one that they've been relying on the entire time, and, you know, until recently, like, she was their genuine starter. And her story about, you know, having – was a starter, lost her spot in club level, went down, had to basically fight her way, claw her way back up from club level all the way to the national team again. It's inspirational. But out of everybody playing right now, she's the one that you're 50-50 because of current form as well as – Who's everybody else on the wing side? So it, there's a lot of options. That, that's the beauty, obviously, of the national team, the women's national team. You can never get wrong with the uh, the amount of players that they bring up because everybody's a world star caliber player. Like we went through this whole conversation, did not mention Lindsey Horan, who just signed a new deal with Leone. And so and she's considered one of the best midfielders in the world. Like we went through a whole conversation and not bring her up. And so that tells you about how many options that this national team has and the fact that four spirit players are being called up. Like, we were making the jokes when they when it was five or six, but the fact that four legit players are being called up just says a lot about how well the Spirits are currently playing, how well they have acclimated to whatever the national team is doing, and how much Vlaco really likes how each one has brought performance-wise whenever they're in camp. Right. So it just it just speaks to the testament of how well this, oh, like you said, he speaks well of like how the spirit have been playing and, and also how they've been able to like just pretty much be somewhat of the backbone of the national team in the last couple of years. So, I mean, it's credit to that. That they that they made it to this point uh, in, in the process. Yeah, and we'll obviously keep an eye on everything that happens. It was interesting to hear Trini Rodman say when she spoke to the media on Thursday, she has no idea <laughs> what her position is. We don't have any idea what to expect. We have no idea what this is going to be like. There's so much growth we still have to do, like still connections to be made on this roster because, again, there's so many um, youth players and those connections aren't to the best of its ability. Um, so for me, I'm just very open-minded and kind of um, looking forward to like what's to come. She's thinking that as a player. I'm thinking as a fan, like there's so many options, obviously, but as a player, it's the chemistry and that's what's going to be important is how tight you guys are heading into the tournament there's only going to be one match between now and the game against vietnam um so the u.s is going to need to take all this time that they're going to have until that game in vietnam to build chemistry build strategy and make sure that everybody is put together i i thought that was eliminating from rodman to say that 
I don't know where they're playing me. So that's just something to keep an eye on. Um, as we move forward, the last game the Spirit players played was on Friday. Uh, they took on the Portland Thorns away in Oregon. And like we mentioned, it was the Sophia Smith show scored a hat trick to lead the Thorns to a 4-2 victory. Uh, she now leads the NWSL with 10 goals. She scored in the 11th minute, but then you ha- actually had to get the equalizer thanks to a cross from Dorian Bailey that was quickly saved by a running Sanchez who does a side pass right off of boot to find a hatch for the goal, hatch is seventh of the season. But again, you couldn't stop Portland. It was just impossible. Smith got the second with another shot from outside the box. Sanchez will get a goal 35 seconds into the second half with a lovely chip shot that, Hey, man, I need to know these goalkeepers. Like, do you not expect these kind of chip shots? Uh, it was it was a nice floater for one, perfectly placed. Sanchez will obviously win the uh, MLS All-Star shoot competition as she had oh, some absolutely. free time. <laughs> She'd get the 10 points every time on those. But um, it was a weird shot. It was a nice chip shot. Goalkeeper couldn't get a finger on it. Either it was that perfect or keeper doesn't see it. I think it's a combo of both. But then you had Smith, like, literally a minute and a half later, skate her third, and then Morgan Weaver uh, scored in the 63rd to make it 4-2. The Thorns move ahead of the Spirit to take first place. Mario, what are your thoughts uh, real quickly on what you thought of the Spirit taking on Portland? Well, it was a great game to begin with. I think it was one of those... One of those games that you get uh, on a Friday night that kicks off uh, any kind of week, and you're like, it sets it, it sets the standard. So it was, it was solid. I think the Spirit played well. I just think defensively they have no answers for Sophia Smith whatsoever. Three on all three of those goals, you had three defenders on her. They weren't able to stop her. It, it was just, yeah, it was just a Sophia Smith show for a good chunk of the game. And I think it, it kind of reflects on the scoreline uh, outside of this, outside of them, not able to stop them defensively. I think the spirit played well. They just couldn't op- like some of the opportunities that were, that they created, they weren't able to capitalize. And I think one thing that Portland did well was mark out Trinity Rodman in the game. Trinity Rodman was kind of not, not effective at all. They only mentioned her a few times throughout the throughout the game, but she kind of just disappeared throughout the game. I think Portland did a really good job of that and, and kind of made things difficult for the Spirit offensively. But other outside of that, they they had a solid performance. It's just Portland was the better team on the night. Well, there's a combination of things. I thought while the Spirit defensively. If you look at, and I don't really pay attention to the XG, but I have to give credit where credit is due to the, the knuckleheads on Twitter. The XG was pretty low. Like, this was a defensive game at times. But the reality is when you have a, a striker like Sophia Smith, who's on target as she was, she had, at one point by the second half, four shots, no, before the second half, before the start of the second half, she had four shots and already two goals. That just tells you, uh, if you're scoring at a 50% rate, like, 
there's no stopping you at that point. And one of the the commentary team pointed out brilliantly too, her ability to take just two touches and take a quick shot release was just so effective. It was just so good that it left no, it left you, if you were the spirit, you were unable to stop that. Because if you're Aubrey Kingsbury, you're not getting enough time to set yourself before having to make a dive. They're just quick turnovers, boom, got it. I thought the spirit were good offensively. That's the other thing. I thought the spirit were good offensively. The second half, once it was 4-2, they kind of did peter out. And that's when you you saw Rodman get more in the game. But I think, like, to what your credit and what you're saying, she was marked out. And then, two, I think they waited too long to get her in the match. There were multiple times in the game where Sanchez would try to get Trent back in the game. There was one moment where around the 20th minute, there was a quick throw in on the spirit side. Ball gets to midfield, and you just see Sanchez hit this lovely chip setting up Rodman, and Rodman runs. The problem, and she she had a chance on goal. She elected to wait it out. Um, no one was running with her. And when you don't have, and that's hard to develop, to get her in the game when no one's running with her when she has those opportunities. So it was a combination of, the spirit weren't providing her enough opportunities. And then the type of game that it was, Portland did a good job of keeping her out wide, limiting her from coming inside, and just pushing the ball to the middle, leaving Sanchez with all the ball in space, leaving it to Hatch. Um, but I think that, that this was a battle of what you mentioned a little bit of two teams. Um a lot of people online were saying this was the best game of the year thus far. I mean, the score line reflects that if you love goal fest, this was one of them. Um, I think the spirit learned another thing that's telling, and that is the lack of depth. Um, when you're going straight uh, to the benches, and then you look at, you know, World Cup player here, uh, former USMT starter here, and then you look at the spirit bench, and rookie rookie dra- undrafted rookie like you get 16 year old like you're, you you see the difference in the levels and so i think overall spirit did a good job but it was just they were outplayed by a more superior opponent do i think that portland beats them again different game different results 90 minutes is still different every time so in this case, though, the depth really showed they were able to continue limiting Robin, her opportunities, and ultimately the spirit, unless they were going to go out and just go on a goal fest themselves and no saves coming from the keeper, they were really going to need the defense to step up a little bit. And reality is Sophia Smith is on a roll, a two-year roll. And you, as a U.S. fan, you don't want it to stop now. You wanted to keep going, and that was a great way of showing you that it's going to at least keep going all the way through the summer. Right, so I, I think that Sophia Smith was just unstoppable throughout this whole game. Also, did you know Christine St. Clair can play midfield too, by the way? Well, they had her in a weird role. They, they, they It's kind of a 10 role, but it's really like a withdrawn forward role. And Right, but I, I'm, just say, I'm just saying that to say like she did really well, I think, 
I want to say it was Christian St. Clair that sets up Sophia Smith on the second goal, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I think just having her in that weird withdrawn role that they had her in just kind of kept the spirit on their toes a little bit. It, it, it was fascinating to see how it was just working out for Portland offensively. So that, that's more or less on where, where I'm going with that. But other than that, I think that I think that just moving forward on the depth on the depth of, with depth with the spirit, you kind of have to work with it because a couple of the player these players are gonna be starters during the World Cup break. Yeah, 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 and not to cut you off, but Parsons has mentioned that multiple times when asked that he trusts these got these these young players to step it up, and so here's gonna be their chance. Like you're mentioning, like <laughs> they're gonna have a couple of Challenge Cup matches to prepare for, so um, this is like Mortal Kombat, like test your luck, and we're gonna see if they can do it. Right, and so it, it'll be interesting to see how they perform without. Without uh, some of the US, uh, some of the World Cup players that are going to be out for the World Cup, hey, you may never know. The game before the uh, before the NWSL goes on break, Ashley Hatch ends up scoring two hat tricks in a row. I, I always remind people that in twenty nineteen, she went on a like a five game, seven game goal scoring streak. There was no, and, and sadly, she was the show. Like, the rest of the team that year wasn't without its pieces, were very much not great to watch. It was a lot of, <laughs> without Rose Laval and others, like the Mallory Pugh, it, the team was hard to watch at times. And so, because they were trying to build this depth that they had, funny enough, you saw in 2021, the depth that they had. And so, it, it kind of is a work in progress. Like Parsons has mentioned throughout the year that it's a work in progress and it's not going to be a finished product by the time this time, this they're kind of ahead of schedule. They're, they're not supposed to be where they're at right now. They're not supposed to be battling for second or third in the, in the top of the, the division or the top of the standings. So well, it's important to give them these chances. And luckily it's not really a lot of, League play, it's going to be like it was in the past. It's going to be a Challenge Cup where, yes, everybody would like to win some money here and there, but the reality is it's not going to hurt their their spot in terms of how they look in the standings, which is the most important part of this uh, season. But I think, you know, they're going to get there. I think of all the, of all the times, I, I think that this is the perfect opportunity. And, the one blessing of Hatch not going is that she's going to be motivated and she's going to be the veteran in a time where she's had other people be the veteran and be the captain. She's going to be the captain. And so she's going to be the one to look upon and it'll be interest. I think it will be a perfect spot for her to highlight herself as a leader. She's been named one of the vice captains at the start of the season. And we'll see how the team goes from there. Right, so it'll be fascinating to see how they perform, especially with the Challenge Cup coming up. And I think they play three Challenge Cup games in a row during the World Cup, so we'll we'll, we'll see how the Spirit performs going moving forward. But I think they'll be okay. Yeah, one team that was okay, but <laughs> disagreed otherwise was DC United, 
Um, they played, yes, this is what we call in the business of transition. They played Cincinnati uh, this past Saturday. Um, and they could not stop scoring. In 45 minutes, they scored three goals, and in the second half, basically sealed the deal, securing the clean sheet for the 3-0 victory against a Cincinnati team that had only lost one game up until that moment. However, D.C. United in front of eighteen over 18,000 at Audi Field um, came out and scored Three goals, thanks in large part to Pedro Santos, then Derek Williams, and then Christian Dahomey. Three guys who weren't even on this roster last year. <laughs> but uh, credits, credits due, they scored when at will in the first half. And if had Christian Bateke been more accurate, you may have saw two more goals before halftime. Um but this is the biggest uh, half that United has had since they scored three goals against the Galaxy on May 20th. Uh, and their first win in three, in three matches, stopping a two-game losing streak. Mario, what were your thoughts on how United performed? Are you as negative as Wayne Rooney, who kind of at the press conference said he hated that second-half performance? I thought first half we were, we were very good. I thought... Um... We changed the shape a little bit, invited them to play in the middle of the pitch and to then try and be aggressive. And thought it worked really well and um, obviously to go in a half-time 3-0, really pleased. Um, but disappointed, um, frustrated, um, angry with the second half. Why, why so? Because we didn't do what I asked. And we got complacent. I talked to the players all the time about focus and concentration. What we'd done in the first half, we didn't even try to get into that shape second half. So it's um, another day if they if they score because we're not in that shape it can be a bit more difficult we can get nervous so um, we have to be better so yeah a bit disappointed I'm happy of course we've won the game but um, disappointed with the second half Wayne that second half performance wasn't that bad you're you're already up three nothing like it it's fine you know like like it's okay like it doesn't have to be that way but. Obviously, performance-wise, best 45 minutes DC United's played all season at home, at the very least. They were dominant. They created any kind of goal-scoring opportunity that they that presented itself, and they got three goals from three unlikely sources: Pedro Santos, who scored his first goal of the season; Derek Williams, who scored his first goal of the season; and Christian Dahomey, who scored his second goal of the season. So you're able to get goals from different players at different at different times, but they were just pretty much beating Cincinnati out wide. They were able to pretty much just frustrate Cincinnati to in and out throughout the entire game. Cincinnati didn't really have a proper response. They frustrated Lucho. It didn't help that Lucho didn't have nor a Brandon Vasquez, who's currently with the U.S. Men's National Team in the Gold Cup. Brenner, who's out with an injury, who's about to leave next month for Italy. So you forcing Lucho to play to play by himself and to pretty much try to beat you and, and pretty much uh, mark out Lucho for the most part. I think that's the important thing. Defensively-wise, they did that well. They kind of played with a five-man back line with three center backs. 
in Derek Williams, Brendan Heinzike, and dang it, and Donovan Pines. They were able they were able to pretty much hold the line for most of that game. And honestly, the first 45 minutes was all you need if you're DC United. So all in all, it was a pretty great performance. Uh, I know Wayne Rooney disagrees with the second half, but I think they did all right in the second half. I wish they had scored a couple more goals in the second half, especially considering that Cincinnati goes down to 10 men towards the end of the game. Yeah, I think, you know, the audio played there earlier of Wayne being upset. And I and I get the reason, you know, he wanted them to continue putting um, putting pressure and the have a complete performance. You can argue they've only had two complete performances uh, the entire season. One can argue that, you know, this was a chance to deliver a statement to the league. We're seeing a lot of teams uh, deliver statements, getting 4-0, 5-0, 6-1 results, and D.C. has not. I, I mean, the – the LA Galaxy game, one can argue, was a back and forth for the first 20 minutes and at times where the Galaxy looked better. But DC scored three goals. And this is a case where they had a chance to really deliver that message, be one of those teams to deliver such a beatdown. And they did it. And it's not their fault. I think that Cincinnati's a good team for starters. They weren't going to just allow DC to score three and not have a response. And so, right, it isn't like Cincinnati isn't the current leader in the Eastern Conference right now. <laughs> exactly. And so I didn't think it it made sense to feel that way. I get why Wayne was upset. Um <laughs> I get that he feels they got complacent, but I, that would be a disservice to Cincinnati, in my opinion. I'm not going to say. However, I did think I love the defensive performance. I love Derek Williams uh, with Donovan Pines in the back there covering, uh, especially with Victor Paulson being out. Uh, he had to deal with family matters after playing qualifiers in Europe. So he wasn't able to come back. Taxi Funtas wasn't at 100% because he came back from playing in the Euros uh, qualifiers. Um, and Steve Birnbaum was out. So for the defensive effort that we saw United give, I thought it was extremely well done. Um, and you kind of mentioned it. I thought that Dahomey now did the thing that I think Wayne has been asking all season. I want competition. He wants competition in slots. He doesn't want to just give – Hey, you're my DP. I'm going to start you. Like, this, and Wayne mentions it. Like, this creates an issue with Taxi Puntas, who's been in and out of the lineup the past month and a half with injuries and now qualifiers and possibly more friendlies and matches in the next two or three months are going to come up. Do you, as Wayne Rooney, keep the, the hot hand and keep the home in there? If he continues to practice well, or do you go back to Taxi Funtas because he's probably the better player, probably the most marketable player, the one that you can sell? Like, what's going to be the factor? And I think they, we finally have that competition that Wayne's been craving. We had that with the wing backs. However, injuries, 
And now, so we're back to square one, and who's competing for spots? We've seen it with the center backs a little bit, and now we're seeing it with Dahomey versus Taxi. Well, not versus, but, you know, who can start, who can be getting more minutes. And I'm intrigued on where we're going with that. And so United has, um, you know, they'll visit Nashville on July 1st, and then Dallas on July 4th, they were the quick two-game road trip. Um, and then they'll play Inter-Miami here. Messi won't Without be Messi. here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, to the idiot that traveled 12,000 miles to go – 1,200 miles to go watch Miami play Philadelphia thinking that Messi was going to be here, they already announced that he's going to be playing against Bruce Sewell. That's going to be his debut game. Uh, Messi's right now playing a tour of uh, of goodbye friendlies right now in Argentina. So, no, he's not going to be there. Uh, well, uh, by keeping the hot hand, yes, I think you should keep Tahome. I think Tahome's performed really well in the last two games. So, you should, he should be your hot hand going forward. Uh, I think for rotational purposes, maybe start him against Nashville. And I think just keep – and then bring in Taxi – Against Dallas, which, by the way, we got to ask, why do we keep playing Dallas on the 4th of July in Dallas? That's, <laughs> that's a question for you. Is. It is what it is. It is. You're right about that. So in that, in that, in that scenario, yes, you keep the hot hand. You keep, you keep the, hot, the hot hand going because the home has been able to perform for you pretty well. And it also get it also does open up competition, which is something that yeah, Wade mentioned it. He did, he wa- he wants this comp- he wants his players to be in complete competition. And in certain positions, it's gonna happen because A, the home is playing well, taxes coming in and off of injuries and an international break. Same with the defensive side of the ball, with Steve Firmbaum possibly coming back from injury uh with Steve Firmbaum coming back from his suspension. You kind of you got to ask the questions whether you start either Brandon Hines like one more time against Nashville next Saturday, or if you go back to Steve Birnbaum, and so it just go it pretty much goes into how do I how do I rotate my my formation? How do I rotate my starting lineup going into a game going into a week where you have two games? So it's gonna be an interesting. It's gotta be interesting for Wayne. Just to see how he how he builds around the rotation, how he builds around the squad going forward, and if Christian Dahomey continues to play it as well as he does, what does this mean for Taxi moving forward? But I think the competition aspect of it all is pretty interesting. Yeah, and I'll only close with this: I do think this game also showed if you're don't want complacency. Um, a, why re-signing O'Brien is going to be key for your future. And so you got to figure out how you can extend that loan or it, see if you it's a manageable purchase price. Uh, so far, all reports indicate that it's not. But I do think that O'Brien needs to be re-signed. He needs to have his, his loan extended. Uh, whatever United can do. To keep him around would be great. Um, while I do think 
Chris Durkin was playing well to start the season. He just adds a different dimension in attack is the connecting option to Matias Klick and with Benteke. And he's just a great interceptor and destroyer in the middle. I, I it's just I think it's perfect for United and O'Brien is very, very good. And I don't think that they should lose him in the middle of the season when he can still provide um great option for United. And this is a this is the other thing. They need to find someone that can really be a backup for Benteke when he's having matches like this one where he's getting close. He hasn't gotten the mark. Maybe it's not his day. Maybe someone else who comes off the bench. I'm thinking of like a real, a true backup. Like uh, Firmino was someone who did this for Liverpool this past two seasons where he come off the bench and he just starts scoring. And that's what United needs. Not not saying they need him specifically, but I do think that they need a guy that they can trust to be like, here, you got 30 minutes, go give me a goal. And he can get closer and actually score if Batike is having a long night, in which was, was last night. Or, I felt or, like... Or being able to possess the ball properly. That too. Like, you know, play that role that Christian does so well and... We heard uh, the home talk about it. Like, it's easy to play with Benteke. It's very easy to play with him. And that creates new options and new lanes when you go out and attack. Bueno, ya eh, había tenido eh, la oportunidad de jugar un partido también con él. Eh, así que, que entré como 15 minutos. Y, y bueno, sé las, las, las fortalezas que tiene Chris. Así que eh, nomás es de estar eh, concentrado. Eh, Y, y aprovechar las jugadas porque es, eh, eh, es muy fácil jugar con él, eh, te puede hacer una jugada dos contra uno, eh, peinarla, eh, o sea, en cualquier momento va a llegar el pase, así que hay no más que estar concentrado y, y bueno, eh, gracias a Dios eh, como en el gol se dio, así que bueno, a continuar trabajando y, 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 y en busca de más. You just need a guy who, not saying Christian Bateke light, but someone that if he can't score and change like the outlook on the team, change the formation of the team when he comes in, someone who can do the hold-up play right. I used to joke here about Rod Dashenko and how he would need 800 shots to finally score. But you know what he did? He created attempts. He created shots. His hold-up play was decent enough and during that era in MLS. That's what DC needs is a guy who either does one or the other. He can take a lot of shots. He may miss some, but he'll score some. Or they need a guy that his hold-up play will bring in the attackers from the wings so that they can create their own attack. And so there needs to be a, a weird balance. Right now, I mean, I can't even call what they have right now as a backup. So I, I do think that they need to go into the transfer market and see if they can find one or two more pieces for the attack. The defense seems a little bit more steady. Now they have to focus on who's your second or third option outside of Christian Bezek. Right. Uh, so are you really open to admitting right now that the Eric Hurtado thing isn't working at this moment in time as a backup? It's terrible. <laughs> there, you happy? Let's move on. It's terrible. Uh, Thank you for acknowledging that. Uh, so no, I I think that yeah, offensively, offensively they 
they do need someone to put to not necessarily be Benteke, but play that kind of that similar role. Uh, ju- just have those qualities, or if not, find other qualities that you're going to need on a center striker in, in create in creating opportunities. But it's kind of just to give Christian Benteke rest because he fe- I feels like Christian Benteke is playing 90 minutes nonstop, and that could be that could wear him out in the long run. I think one of the other options you have is kind of working with Christian Fletcher, becoming more of that not of that backup nine that you need. Of course, this requires a little bit of time, but you've got him right there at this moment in time. So I think that's one of those things that need to address going into the transfer market. But also, I think uh, the wingers, I think you talked about defensive stability. It's right there. But I think the winger, posi- the winger position is something you may want to add another one or two depth pieces to it just to give uh, both Juan and, and Andy rest. And now that Ma- that Jaya is going to be out for the rest of the season, it's kind of just something that needs to be addressed going into the transfer market as well. So there's still – the pieces are there. I think that just revamping the depth a little more can help out the team in the long run and it'll with uh, not only just league play, but with league's cup coming up as well, you kind of have that. You kind of have that that balance that you need on on the squad on in squad construction. More depth that'll help you out in the latter part of the season. So that that's something I think Wayne needs to look into heading into into July and in the transfer market. Right, and Mario is thinking of the right back position when he talks about Ron and Andy, the left back side has Pedro Santos, Jacob Green, and uh, Gasun Samake. They're solid there. <laughs> They're good. Right, so it's right back that you really need to worry about. Left back, you're fine. Exactly, but we're fine enough with the length of this podcast, uh, so we're going to end it here. Uh, before we let you go, Mario, go ahead and tell the people where they can find out more about you. All right. If you want to know what I'm working on or you just want fre- uh, t- uh, friendly travel tips when you go to Atlantic City, New Jersey, you can follow me on Twitter at MarioAmaya1. You can follow me on Instagram at M underscore Amaya91. You want to know what's going on in the world around you? Just want to know what's going on in DMV? You can follow El Tiempo Latino on Twitter as well, at El Tiempo Latino. You can go on their website at eltiempolatino.com. And if you want to put money in my pocket so I can find me a Marvel MLS collaboration jersey, you can go get yourself a hard copy of El Tiempo Latino at newsstand and Metro Station today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Battle of Brazil FC podcast. Special shout-out, as always, to Cal McLeod and Impotech for the intro and outro music. Remember to rate and subscribe, as always, on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and all your audio platforms. Thank you so much for tuning into the Bad Hombres FC podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Adios.